1: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
2: The baseball insiders going to the mountaintop. That's right. We're talking about the Yankees. Yanks Goyard, Adam Weinrib, Thomas Carinante are with us. Robert Murray's here uh, with actually a very special heartfelt story on his career at the back end. So stick around. The baseball insider starts right now. Bert, how do you feel about talking to Thomas and Adam? Because I got to be honest, I hate the Yankees. I'll always hate the Yankees. I love these guys, but even talking about the Yankees makes me slightly nauseous. Well, I, I can tell you I'm a
1: lot more excited than you are, Carl. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Yankee talker kind of guy, so uh, Thomas and Adam know what they're talking about. So we're, uh, we're going to have a good time
2: today. They most definitely do. Yanks Go Yards, an awesome podcast. We appreciate them joining us here on the Baseball Insiders. Adam, Thomas, good to see you. Hey, good to be here. Uh, Thanks for having us. It's uh, what
0: an active offseason for the New York Yankees, uh, both the past 10 days and beforehand. Uh, I tell you what, we are so pumped to to give you guys the full breakdown.
2: Who's more (laughs) who's more paranoid about the Mets making every move and the Yankees doing nothing between the two of you, Thomas?
3: Oh, that's a good question. I actually I've been look, Adam and I are Mets sympathizers, so we haven't entirely been worried. The only thing that we were kind of mad about was that uh, the Yankees weren't in the bidding for Scherzer. Um, but Mets don't affect us on a day-to-day basis. Uh, their fans like to think otherwise, but, but we play each other six times a year. If baseball's better in New York, I think life's better for everybody. So that's kind of the way we look at it.
2: Oh, that is such a very level, all-encompassing. The holidays are here. Come on. Make people yeah, let's happy. make the world a better place. Yeah. Bert, get in here. Like, give me your hot Yankee oh. tape for these guys. Yeah, you know, like I was like,
1: it's the Yankees. I was surprised, even though like nobody expected them to be active, at least initially, like they didn't send anybody. Like, were you guys both the same way, especially like even with a free agent shortstop or shortstop just staring at him in the face?
0: Yeah, I'll ride here just because I Please. think, um, <laughs> I, I think that we've had a lot of people, like a lot of Yankee fans who all seem to be 20 years old and under have gotten a lot of leeway out of being like, okay, the Yankees didn't sign anybody, but the smart teams didn't really sign anybody. The Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Astros didn't sign anybody. And like, sure, none of those teams splurged for Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon, etc. And Max Scherzer went to the Mets and they're loud and annoying, but the Red Sox signed Rich Hill, Michael Walker, traded Hunter Renfro. There's moves there. The Dodgers signed Chris Taylor for $60 million. The Astros theoretically I mean they signed Justin Verlander even though it's not done done I guess they forgot to hand in the paperwork or whatever but yeah. all of those teams have at least one major move and the Red Sox have a collection of small moves and the Yankee signed Joely Rodriguez and that's it and that's it not that, that nice. that's kind of it that is the major league free agency move so just the fact that like sure none of those smart teams dove all the way into the pool but even the Rays extended Wander Franco and the Yankees didn't do anything. It's not like they pieced together some marginal acquisitions. They no. didn't make anybody come to join the team. So I don't think that entirely holds water. I definitely am a little bothered. You know, I'm not that bothered they didn't go crazy for Seager, but to, to have no additions to the roster at this point is worrisome to me and to Thomas, I believe.
3: Oh, I, the tra- Not making any trades kind of was what miffed me the most. Um, you know, my short-lived nice comment at the top is, now goodbye uh the thing that made me angry about what they were doing is there were i understand they didn't want to go crazy for some of these top guys especially with not knowing what the next cba would hold but who are the yankees and what are they supposed to do their one unique competitive edge in baseball was supposed to be their ability to spend money or their ability to blow other offers out of the water or their ability to attract the top talent and um coax them with the dollars, with the allure of New York and all that. And they're not doing that. So um, Mm -hmm. and Brian Cashman is supposed to be this guy who is constantly seeking out trades and and making shrewd acquisitions in that matter, and nothing. So um, that was the most discouraging aspect. Uh, Like Adam said, I'm not really I'm not really mad. They didn't go on, you know, a five hundred million dollar spending spree. But there's got to be something in the middle here and we got nothing.
1: Yeah, and like to go along those lines, we saw a piece from Ken Rosenthal and Lindsey Adler of The Athletic basically call the Yankees and their ownership cheap. Uh, Do you both agree with that narrative, or do you think that was too strong?
0: I think that it's fair to say they don't spend an amount of their profits commensurate with what they actually make, because they spend enough so that you can't call them cheap without people saying, didn't they just spend $325 million on Garrett Cole? And it's like, well, yes, of course. But then the rest of the Garrett Cole offseason was Brett Gardner coming back. And then 2020 was bargain basement deals and they're giving the Cubs extra prospects just so that they don't have to pay Anthony Rizzo any money. And they you know, they signed Garrett Cole and they acquired Giancarlo Stanton's money. But in the two years in between all of those moves, they make marginal upgrades and patchwork things and money is always the primary factor So you would like to see one offseason where they just throw caution to the wind and it's like Garrett Cole plus Michael Brantley plus, you know, a number three. Um, And they haven't done that yet. And so I think it's fair to say, why are you spending so much money? It shouldn't be a problem to spend so much money on one marquee talent because they're the Yankees, but it seems like it is for them, which is why so many fans are like money conscious now because they know
2: the Yankees are like going to splurge on one dude and not three. So if you could rewind it back, you getting out of the Garrett Cole deal? You are right. I'm not. Thomas, are you? I'm not. No. I mean, I uh,
3: the only issue I had with the Garrett Cole deal was that what is happening now is it was going to be their excuse. They paid, they outbid themselves for Garrett Cole for eighty something million, and now they're saying, "Oh, we have our ace. We have the guy atop the rotation. This is the piece that we've been missing for however long, and it's giving them an excuse to not spend on bigger contracts because now they have Cole and Stanton, two guys on three hundred million dollar deals." And now they're talking this offseason. Oh, we got to save money for a judge extension. It's like you don't really need to save anything. You got seventy five million coming off the books next year. You don't need to use my problem with the bigger contracts with the Yankees is that they just use it as an excuse to limit future expenditures. Uh, I don't care. Pay pay all the players. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. I hope they keep making the money. I like how you know, these top guys got got what they deserve this offseason. But when it becomes an excuse for the billionaire owners, that's that's when I have a problem with it. But I'm not backing out of the cold deal.
0: So- yeah, nobody nobody wants to hear woe is me Yankee content. Or maybe they do, actually. Like the listeners let us. I mean, sometimes they do. But the thing with the Garrett Cole deal that gets me is that, look, the 2019 Yankees needed a certified ace. There was one on the market who is a Yankee fan who they were able to go above market and pay, and it's like, They finally found their white whale. They drafted Cole. Everything was lining up. He shows up to the press conference with the sign that says Yankee fan today, tomorrow, forever. And it's like, yes, I know so many of our free agent moves have bombed over the past decade, but there is no way this goes sour. And then there is a pandemic, an anti-Yankees move from God himself saying like, (laughs) oh, you don't even get a full, you don't even get a full first season. Like, how is this not going to work out? Cole plays six games this year, but he's healthy. How about that? Is that fun for you? And then this year, of course, in the middle of the season, Rob Manfred changes the baseballs on him and is like, you can't grip them anymore. So whether you believe in spider tack or not, and like that obviously goes deeper, the fact that Cole entered the 2021 season with different conditions than he had in June is kind of an insane year, too, for him. Like it's back to back years, something completely out of his control. They're just like, nope, your life is completely different now than it used to be. So I still have hope. I would do it again, and you couldn't draw up a more perfect Yankee signing, but then you get hit with insanity
2: 20 and 21. I I I, right and I think they're going that way with the baseball and the spin rate. And so I do wonder about his future. And and, but like if they had signed Corey Seager, 10 years, 325, would you have liked that deal? Like to me, people who are piling on the Yankees or whoever for not, you know, signing Seeger, it's like, I'm not signing Corey Seager to ten years and three twenty-five. That nobody was speculating he was going to get that much, and the Rangers come in here and, play, and go crazy. So I don't, I don't blame the Yankees. And Carlos Correa is still sitting there. So is Trevor Story. Like I, I don't, I don't get the Yankees. Like, all right, Rangers, that's awesome, sweet. You just signed Seager. That's unlikely to work out for you, at least in my mind.
3: Yeah, uh, Carm, you're sounding like a mouthpiece for the owners here. What's going on?
2: Well, he's got a direct line. Uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean I get what you mean. If you're talking about saddling yourself with finances of that magnitude, that's what we were concerned about too. When they signed Cole, we're like, great. So now they're going to say Cole Stanton. That's you know that's 650 million dollars in expenditures. We're going to cool it for a team like the Rangers throwing that money at Seager. I think that's probably the only way they get him. Um, For the Yankees to get in a bidding war with a team who's desperate like that. Uh, who absolutely needs a star and needs a shortstop. Um, I don't think that would have been a smart idea. And the only reason I'm kind of glad Seager didn't happen was because all these insiders, because I don't know how to evaluate Corey Seager. I'm not a a scout, but they're saying he's going to move off shortstop. And then you're looking at, okay, you're paying this guy shortstop money, $325 million. And then you're telling me in two or three years on a 10-year contract, He's not going to be a shortstop anymore. It might've worked out for the Yanks because they do like these uh, shortstop prospects and Anthony Volpe and Oswald Praza that they have coming up. Um, but then, you know, you're talking about maybe moving Seager to third and then you're, you have a 325 million dollar third baseman who's never played third base before. Um, so yeah, but I look at it through that lens, at least, I don't really care how much money people are getting as long as it's the right fit.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned, so for the shortstops for the Yankees, obviously they weren't going to be in the bidding for Seager at that price. But you're looking at Correa, you're looking at Story, and then like to go bigger picture here for a second here, when the Rangers ended up signing Marcus Simeon, I had somebody there tell me that after Simeon, he told me three things. One, they had a three-year offer out to Kyle Schwarber. Two, um, that they were still going to be in on Corey Seager and Trevor Story. And three, that Connor Falefa was somebody that the Yankees were interested in. So of those two big free agent shortstops and Connor Falefa, who do you think is more likely?
0: uh kind for sure yep. <laughs> um, I, I don't I mean I would I, it's crazy to be at the point where I would be exhaling if that's what we pulled off because the Andrelton Simmons thing is still lingering and like he's almost a meme at this point of just Yankee fans sp- like the Yankees will announce a holiday ticket package and the mentions will be like don't sign Simmons or like sign Simmons I'll lose my mind <laughs> like it's becoming an overwrought joke I mean Kyner Falefa uh, the defense is there, The you know, two se- I mean, Yankee fans have been begging for contact forever. So, like, here's a 270-hitting speed demon with above-average defense. Like, it would be giving Yankee fans what they've been begging for, but at the expense of losing out on two huge names. A lot of Yankee fans are ready to throw Carlos Correa's past away. Uh, I understand if you are, and I understand if you aren't, I would... Uh, I mean I would love to see him in pinstripes, frankly. I would love to see Trevor Story in pinstripes. I just can't have the faith that it's gonna happen at this juncture, knowing what I, I mean, nothing happened pre-lockout. So how can I possibly have faith?
1: Yeah, and also I want to clarify too, like I was talking like so with uh with before I was talking about the Rangers and not the Yankees with with Simeon Seeger and, and and those guys. Like I, I figured I should clarify that one real quick. But yeah, um, so like with um with the Yankees and if they're able to spend big this winter, do you think Freddie Freeman makes sense or are they going to stick with somebody like Anthony Rizzo? So I'm putting you on the spot here again. I'm, I'm making you guys. I love it. Yeah. I, lo- oh, yeah, I that's love Thomas's boy. Yeah.
3: I mean, I was talking about Freeman for, I was talking about Freeman in the summer because in my mind, why was he not extended in July? It's he's the franchise players, a franchise le- legend. And then you fast forward, they win the world series. They have a month to get a deal done. That's a blank check for me. I don't know about you guys. That's a blank that's a blank check player for me. Gold glove first baseman, team leader, clutch, left-handed bat, power contact, all of it. It's all there. That's exactly what the Yankees need. Um and I understand first base isn't exactly um the the paramount uh necessity for them at the moment because I I I would argue shortstop center field and uh, perhaps the rotation are more important. Uh, We're forgetting that Luke Voigt was the 2020 home run champ. I know his defense isn't exactly sterling. I know he has some injury issues, but you're talking about the Yankees who have defensive issues everywhere, who have injury issues all over the roster. So to single out Luke Voigt there, I don't think is fair to him. Um, But Freddie Freeman, if you're talking about making that unique acquisition, stealing him from his, you know, the team that drafted him and brought him up and who he won a world series for. Um, I think that's exactly what the Yankees need. And they need a little bit of a culture shock in the locker room. I know once again, I'm not in the locker room, but based on the body language of these guys, sometimes in the post-game interviews, I think they need, I think they need a guy like Freeman who has the experience and who has that, you know, competitive edge. Um And I would, I would spend the money. What's it, what's it uh Robert? They're talking six years, 180. That was the last that I saw. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like I, I would go to 200. Oh, honestly, so would I. Because like six for one eighty to me feels reasonable, and I would mm-hmm. feel like there'd be, I mean, either the Braves, Yankees, or the Dodgers would be all over that.
3: Yeah, I, the the Dodgers are actually worrying me because I keep hearing, you know, based on all the all the insiders that we follow, um, and your stuff as well too. Um, I, I keep seeing the Dodgers being connected there as well. Um, and I'm afraid that uh that they they would be the team that would outbid the Yankees, um, in that scenario. But also on that front. If the Yankees are involved at all here, we went through this entire pre lockout thing without the Yankees being mentioned on any high profile free agent. We didn't hear anything about Seager. We didn't hear anything about Marcus Simeon. Those were two clear fits. We didn't hear anything about Scherzer. So now that they're in on Freeman, it makes it seem like that they're serious and they're willing to go the extra mile and maybe go toe to -to toe with the Dodgers in a bidding war.
1: Yeah. Cause like when, whenever the Yankees are pursuing a free agent, they always hop in later in the process, just so, like agents don't use them as like to upbid other teams mm-hmm. and, and i making it out of their price range. But I also, I want to say that like before or even before the GM meeting started, I ended up mentioning the Dodgers as a potential fit for Freeman. And I got absolutely freaking smoked on Twitter for that. Oh, so did Smoking. wait. We mentioned Freeman to the Yankees. Everyone was like, "What are you crazy?" I'm like, "I mean,
3: he's not signed, so he's going to become a free agent." I don't think yeah. you're wrong either. I think he's a great fit for the Dodgers. We we we've looked at that too with Muncie shifting over to second. Then how good it, you don't lose Corey Seager's
1: production in that in in that scenario, right? Exactly. You, do- you know what? Let's do a, a Zoom high five real quick here.
2: Let's cause, yeah, <laughs>
1: go with team, baby. Let's go. Love it.
2: I, I have nothing to do with any of this, but I just want to do the high five. <laughs> <laughs> What what's your beef with Rizzo there, Yanks Go Yard? And by the oh. way, everybody subscribe to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Don't be an idiot and uh, check out their YouTube page. They go twice a week. But uh, you, you want to pay two hundred million for Freeman? And by the way, I got yelled at by one of our outstanding baseball insider. Uh, listeners who I when I try to compare Rizzo to Freeman I walk it back I'm not saying he's the same (laughs) player but for the money comparison level of performance I think we can certainly make an argument that Rizzo fits uh, better with all the Yankees other needs but uh, I'm here and and Thomas you're shaking your head yes yeah so you don't you don't hate Rizzo is what I'm what I'm seeing right now
3: no I mean the way that we've kind of looked at it especially Adam and I is there's there's three plans here uh Freeman is the plan a that's in my opinion, kind of unrealistic, but we don't know what's happening. So it's still on the table. Then you have a Matt Olson trade, which insiders have also speculated may happen. And then you have a fallback plant C Anthony Rizzo, if he's still a free agent, assuming. Um, and I think that would be cheaper. I think that would fit their, their budgetary concerns. And it'd be a lot easier. My only, uh, my only issue with him is I don't think he's going to kind of age well, especially to play defense at the position. Um, and if they're, if that's what they're they want longevity in in that respect, I think Freeman. I don't know. He seems like a guy who's going to age well to me. His swing really hasn't changed since the day he's came into MLB. His defense seems to just be getting better year by year. Um, but I, I'm I would not be discouraged with Rizzo. I I liked what he brought to the team. Um, the only concern with him was the bout with COVID, and then his play kind of suffered after that. Um, but I think if he gets a two three year deal with us, I, I'm I'm not I'm not displeased with that at all.
0: Yeah, all the Twitter tweens love to make it seem like Rizzo is a complete failure. That's another yeah. thing you'll encounter in the Yankees' Twitterverse. Just like, I can't believe they're thinking about bringing Rizzo back. It's like a 30-homer lefty bat who you loved in August. You can't believe they're considering bringing him back. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it stinks that he sort of feels like a last resort just because I don't even know how you handle those negotiations where you're theoretically yeah. talking about Olsen and Freeman and you're like, I sure hope an All-Star is still available in March. But, I mean, I would be sad like, – First base is different from shortstop for me. Mm-hmm. Any of those three names, I am extremely satisfied. DJ LeMahieu at first, no. We can revisit this conversation. But any of those three names, I'm like, yes, check, please. Those are great, especially culture fits. We always feel like something is a little bit rotten in the <clears throat> in the locker room, and again, we don't know. But it's just like, why are all of these players regressing? Something beyond their on play, on field play, has to be at you know happening here. Rizzo didn't turn it around, and you know, crank the. You know, uh, whatever <laughs> hand crank in the middle of the season and change everything, but we we liked having him here. He would absolutely be a fine plan C. It's just unfortunate that you do have to bide your time there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and plan B for you guys was Matt Olson, and I'm glad that Adam mentioned Yankees Twitter. Like, wh- okay, what the heck happened with the one yard line thing? Like, sorry, like, that, that was nuts
0: um well yeah this is look this is a national baseball podcast and uh this i guess can no longer be kept under the radar that that one yard line man has followed us for a long time and trolled us for a long time and i i won't get into specifics but uh at what the only specific i will get into is that over the summer uh our account tweeted that it felt like the yankees were gonna get swept by the Red Sox. They, in fact, lost three out of four games in that series, which is pretty close to a sweep. Uh, yeah. Pretty bad. Uh, three out of four, still a series loss. And the person who said the Matt Olson trade talks were on the one-yard line put us on blast that weekend and said we would never be punished or pay for what we did, which was saying the Yankees were going to get swept when they lost <laughs> three out of four. Uh, so if that merits punishment, and paying for your sins, then what does lying to all the fans and saying a Matt Olson trade <laughs> is on the one yard line merit? Do you does that merit punishment? That's that's all I'm gonna say.
1: Yeah, yeah, because like I I remember seeing those tweets. I had a couple of people direct them at me, and <laughs> like I checked, and my first response was like from a source was, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, and it was just like, "Oh boy," so that yeah. I, I that was, ask, that well.
0: was our week. That was our week that week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yankee fans got themselves all tied up there. Matt Olson's wedding was that weekend. And so you had Yankee fans being like, I'm actually hearing that they want to get it done so that Matt Olson can have a nice wedding. <laughs> and like, I don't think that was a concern. I mean, he's still not traded folks that what, what more can you say?
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Cause, oh boy. That that sounds just like a complete disaster. Cause yeah. Like the, the, A's, the plan from the get go is probably not going to trade anybody until the lockout was over. Yeah. Um, but, like, speaking of, like, actual, like, rumors that have been reported on and everything, I saw something that teams are checking in on Joey Gallo. Um, and, like, there was one AL West team, and then there was also some rumors surrounding Luke Voigt. Uh, I can't imagine they would trade Gallo, especially after giving up as much as they did. But, like, is there – do you think either one of those guys is likely to go? It's a good question.
3: I don't think – I actually don't think they get, I I mean, I, they did give up talented players for Gallo, but they were talent. Well, now what happened with the rule five, I guess they wouldn't have lost those guys, but those guys had to be protected. Uh, Most of them had to be protected from the rule five. So like they kind of had to get rid of him anyway. That was kind of the mental gymnastics we did to justify the trade (laughs) after he performed so poorly. Um, But my issue with Gallo is they're playing him out of position. He's not, he he's better in right and center field than he is left. And they have him in left and there were clear cracks there um yeah. and i think there was a little bit of a culture shock of him coming to new york you know playing in texas for that long on teams that weren't good i think it's an entirely different mindset and and kind of way about uh way of life there um i think he'll be better in his next full season but i don't think it's out of the question the yankees consider trading him if they get the right offer i don't know what teams would want but you know he's making over 10 million in arbitration um and luke void i think should be as good as gone not that I don't want him on the Yankees. Uh, he's a fan favorite. I've loved everything he's done for us. I know the injuries are a problem, but the way the Yankees soured the relationship, in my opinion, by trading for Rizzo, putting him at first, and then not DHing Luke Voigt when they've had the opportunity to do so, by putting when they put Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield, that made no sense to anybody. That wasn't even a that wasn't even a contentious topic of conversation among Yankee fans, which every topic of conversation usually is contentious. This was just like, why are they not putting the best lineup possible out there? And why is Luke Voigt not DHing? which you would think, A, kind of fits better with what he can do because he's not as good at first base as Rizzo. And two, it would help him stay off uh, the defensive side of the field while he kind of heals from his injuries. He had knee injuries, he had an oblique injury, um, he had a sports hernia injury two years ago. So it's like, okay, maybe you de-emphasize his reps, maximize his potential in the DH role, and they didn't even do that. So that's why I think, Luke Voigt should be gone because if I'm a player and that's the message that they send to me, I don't want to play. I'm not going to be motivated to play. And then they're pinch hitting him in very tough situations after he went th- two, three, four days without even getting in at bat, it's essentially putting him in a situation of fail. It seems like, um, so, I mean, Hey, I looked at, I looked at Olsen in the A's and just did some crunch some numbers and figured maybe they would be interested in Gallo Voigt and a couple of top prospects. Um, they would, you know, it would kind of cancel out the Olsen salary, which I think is like 12 million. Um, Void's making like four or five. Uh, I don't know if that's anything you've heard, but I I, I think Void's a decent trade chip. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be asking for a top 10 prospect, but they should get something in return for a guy who was the 2020 home run champ and is would immediately inject, you know, life into your lineup.
0: Uh, the, the Void stuff just makes me sad because. Yeah. I think of him whenever I think of 2021 because I talked to him right before the season started and he gave such a, you know, he gave a a nice dedicated interview where he made it seem like the Yankees were so hungry and this was probably going to be the year everything turned around. I was so optimistic. And I asked him about extension talks and he said, you know, we haven't actually talked at all. I will, you know, I'll I'll address that when the time comes or whatever. And it took me aback because I considered him to be such a part of the fabric of this team. Um, And then the way the season played out, a so clearly they didn't have any extension talks they de-emphasized him every chance they got and then b it turned out he was actually hurt at that point and he didn't tell me And the next day he had knee surgery so it just I always think of him when I think of this season because it was like he was so optimistic and had never talked to the team about a future and then the next day it was like well I harboring another injury and everything went downhill from there yeah oh
2: go ahead no you Bert, absolutely you brother (laughs) <laughs> wow, love that car. You're the man. But
1: yeah, because like with Voigt, I saw Joel Sherman of the New York Post end up mentioning the Brewers as a fit for Voigt. Yeah. Love I, I think that. that would be a perfect fit for them. Like mm-hmm. even with Rowdy Telez there, I think Voigt would end up doing a lot of damage at American Family Field. I almost said Miller Park, but we're <laughs> always, always starting to get used to it, boys.
0: Can we do, I mean, can we do void and top prospects for Luis Arias? Like, we looked at that yeah. as an infield fit. I don't know if that's insane, but we've considered, at least considered with Adamas's, um
1: emergence, that maybe
0: somebody ends up being available.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't get your hopes up on Arias. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, like, after he moved over to third base, he was actually, like, really, really good for them. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, so I think he's going to end up being a foundational piece for them, especially since he's, he's so cheap, so... Uh, not to like burst your bubble or anything or makes sense but it's a about whole Josh season yeah 2021 was well, all about our bubble come. being burst
2: so it's totally
1: fine oh god i'm just ready for the yankees to spend a, a billion dollars in free agency and just and prove you guys wrong and and any well they proved me wrong too so but <laughs> no, they, i would no that's not going to happen
2: First of all, let's just celebrate the creativity of the Yanks go yard podcast. Always looking for solutions, providing options. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but they're, they're right there for you. Dialing up what could be done, uh, as we were talking and I got one before you guys go, I want you to solve one, uh, lockout issue Ooh. that everyone's taking a swing at. So I want you guys to swing too. But, but first off, uh, I just saw on our fan sided website coming through the slack, uh, Carlos Rodon's wife is talking about ending up in New York, uh, And the numbers around Rodon is like three years and 50 some odd million. Here's a guy who's never been healthy. Didn't make it through the season healthy. uh, You know, had to fight his way to pitch in a playoff game. I think anybody who signs Rodon for more than one year is completely crazy. Like I'd be willing to give him 20 million for one year and roll the dice. But I I, do, do you buy that tie Yankees Rodon. I kind
3: of do. I think that was, I think that's more of the risk the Yankees should be taking. I was like, one foot in, one foot out on Kluber. He had only pitched like 36 innings in two years. I was concerned, call me crazy, about them signing Justin Verlander for one year at $25 million. He's pitched six innings in the last two years. I don't think that kind of matches up with what the Yankees are trying to do, um, especially if they want to win the World Series in 2022. I think a guy like Rodon is someone you take a risk on. He just had his best career season. I know there's injury issues. I know there's, I know there's concern there, but he can... Profile is a number two, or he can be a depth piece if he's not having, you know, those that ace like season that he did last year. Um, am I in for a three or fifty million dollar deal? Uh, maybe I, I wouldn't. I'm not opposed to it. One year, 20, I think is, is fun. I think it's fun for everybody. He makes a lot of money. Yankees get a chance to kind of put that, uh, you know, electricity in their rotation for one year and really not that at, at that bad of a price. If he's if he's at all the same he was last year. Um, and his intensity. I mean, you know, Carm, you're watching Chicago baseball. The guy's an electric factory on the mound. That's what the Yankees need. They need that passion. They need people yelling. And I I think it's a great fit.
0: It's a classic case of my fandom jumping in on my rationality, though, because that is a move (laughs) where I'm like three years, 50, like the Yankees have endless finances. Who cares? But then obviously they have end full finances. They have a very defined end to their finances. Um, So in my world, yeah, absolutely. But in their world, the risk compounds other risk. And then suddenly next year, I'm like, they're, they're going to blame this guy's dead arm for a reason why they can't spend on a real clear upgrade somewhere else.
2: Or do you got any inside info on Rodon?
1: I do not. Um, I just think the medicals are going to be an issue for some teams. Like I, yeah. Yeah, that, that I've heard that before. Well, the
0: yeah. Yankees have been in the medicals on a Matt Olson trade for four weeks now, so clearly <laughs> they they really uh yeah. yeah. yeah
1: if it's if on a one yard line before, what's it at now? One inch? Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, well, it's yeah. It got Malcolm Butler. Unfortunately, it was a good <laughs> trade while it lasted.
2: Uh, for the record, I've interviewed Rodon many times, and one time, a you know, lengthy. He is intense. Yeah. He is a he is an he is a competitor. Uh, I would take that guy on my clubhouse all day long. Um, so. I would, but I wouldn't give him three years and 51 million. That's just me outside of like the Yankees and all their money. Just, just if I was a team X team, would I give that guy a three year $50 million deal? I would not. I'd overpay for a year. Okay. I've said that now multiple times. Here you go. Fix baseball. The tanking issue is the biggest issue. Jason Jason Stark took a great swing at it at the Athletic, uh, basically giving the number one pick to the team that that just misses the playoffs, which I thought was a really interesting way to do it, to incentivize hanging in there, being competitive. Okay, if you don't make it, you get the number one overall pick, which the problem with that is that you could have teams that, well, should we make the playoffs in this last game that matters, or should we just lose this game so we get the number one overall pick because – Bryce, the next Bryce Harper's there. But do you have any ideas on how to fix the tanking issue? Anyone here? Let's uh, let's, let's get everybody weighing in on how to fix tanking. Well, that's an extremely,
0: something. that's an extremely annoying way to give the Red Sox the
1: number one overall pick every year. So thanks, <laughs> <Carmen>. <laughs> Bert, go for it. That, uh, I don't know even know how to follow up that as, but like with, uh, with Stark, first of all, I don't know how it comes up with these ideas. Like that's actually like a brilliant idea and something I had so. never, yeah, like he's just he's brilliant. So like I am actually like for that. If we're being honest, like I, even though it would benefit your Red Sox or your, well your Yankees rival, um, <laughs> yeah, that uh, I I actually think that would be a good idea for sure.
3: Why is there no draft lottery in baseball yet? Why are they not penalizing small market teams for trading away star players or not extending them? Why is there not you know kind of like the NBA situation where maybe you have a a rookie max extension that you can you know give somebody. It's, I know, I know it's a little bit complicated because teams don't want to spend that money. But maybe you give the Pirates an option to sign somebody through their arbitration years at uh, a big a big number, and players would be more inclined to stay there as opposed to them getting traded in arb year two. Um, I think teams should kind of be penalized for that because why are you not trying to build around said player who's really good? Or how many times are you going to institute a rebuild or a retool? Um, I think there's got to be ways, to, a combination of things to not give somebody a definitive number one overall pick just because they keep losing. Um, and to penalize smaller market teams who are, who are whining about not having the money, but in reality, the franchise is worth over a billion dollars. So you can't tell me there's not money to go around to pay a certain amount of people or to, or to bring in other building blocks to, you know, uh, who are we talking about getting traded this off season Who's on a smaller market team? Cedric um, Mullins is the one. Cedric Mullins, off. Brian Reynolds. Like those guys are controllable for however long. Those are foundational pieces. Why are they even involved in trade talks? Why are you not talking about acquiring other guys to join them? I, I understand it's a hard business, but you got to do something to be competitive. And the Orioles, we're watching it every year. The Orioles have not been even close to competitive in what? Seven years, six years. I don't know how long it's been. It's oh. I can't. No, Manny it's Machado summer, was the last yeah. time. Yeah.
2: So almost, a, something almost, needs a, to be done. almost as long as since the Yankees last won the world series. Oh, <laughs> car, wow. won <laughs> In 2017,
0: if we're playing on an even playing field, <laughs>
2: um, uh,
0: I just, I do wonder if we can at least like Ted Stepien somebody to take some NBA parlance and like, are we sure? Like, what if you just can't get the number one overall pick or get top three two years in a row? Because you end up mm-hmm. with the Astros taking infinite swings at it to get Correa and Bregman, but also to get Mark Capel and, and, like, they just end up in the top three for five years, and that's clearly what the Orioles are trying to do. But that's why the Mullins thing makes me so mad because they have a semblance of an all-star like a starter, a guy who's going to be there for four or five years. And of course they're listening now. And of course they're listening on John means once they finally figured out the John means thing and they have Adley Rutschman and they have you know, Heston Kerstad who didn't play baseball because he had COVID issues. And then they have Grayson Rodriguez. And then they maybe don't have a second pitching prospect. And to be here four years in and saying, we have one pitching prospect we believe in, and you can have our all-star is why I'm just rolling my eyes being like, how is that the way it's done? So even if it's a light ban and just, you know, some rule in place that says number one overall pick, you're ineligible two years in a row. I mean, it's, it's a small change, but come on.
1: Yeah. You- I'm glad you mentioned that with the Orioles with, with them or, well being anti-tanking because I do not like tanking one bit. No. Like one thing I want to clarify though on Mullins and Means is like they are listening on those guys, but like that's how all 30 teams operate Is they listen on everybody and there's no untouchables just because you never know what a team is going to offer you. Um, and I was told the price on both of those guys, Mullins and Means, is astronomically high and the odds good. of them being traded are like zilch. Um,
0: okay, good. That at least makes yeah. me feel
1: a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So like they may not be actively trying to win, but like, yeah, they're, they're not going to sell off the farm here. Well, sell off their, their only pieces of the major D roster, I should say.
2: That makes sense. X-O. That's just
3: tough. It's tough optics when you hear that and you don't, obviously we know a lot of teams operate it's like, Hey, what can you offer me? What's, how are you going to blow me away? And then you get something where are like, okay, yeah, I have to take that. Absolutely. Let's do it. But it's bad yeah. optics for the Orioles who were like, you should be acquiring players and maybe not listening on guys. So, but glad you cleared that up. Cause I'd like for them to be better. It's
1: I, I like when the AL East is good. It's more fun. Yeah, exactly. I have all five teams competing like that. Yeah. yeah, when's the last time the Orioles actually won the division? It feels like it's been Was it 2013?
0: I want to say 2012, but I could be wrong.
1: So, how old was I then? I was So, I was 16 years old when they last won. <laughs> <laughs> so, ouch. Sorry, know. Carm.
2: Uh, yeah, it's it, All that was painful. Let's end the podcast. Uh, you still look 16, too, Bert. So, congratulations. That's oh, I like that build. old mom. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Adam Weinrib and Thomas our office are awesome. You better be subscribing to uh, Yanks Go Yard, or just uh, I'll say it nicer. You should uh, check out Yanks Go Yard and subscribe. It's a sweet uh, podcast, and the YouTube channel is running twice a week. Gentlemen, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Great to see you guys. Appreciate you. Bert, before we go, do you have a Bert bomb? Anything that's moving around in Robert Murray world that you haven't talked about on the pod today? No. Uh, the fact i I did have a steak dinner last night, so that might be the
1: only burt bomb coming later today. So,
2: uh, Well, I, I do know that you want to uh, give some love to uh, Jim Frigosi Jr., who uh, uh, has passed away but was a huge uh, – Helped to you in the early part of your career. So um, i love to lo- love to hear about your, your journey and how Jim helped. Yeah, thank
1: you, Carm. Uh, yeah, so when I first got started in baseball, I was 16 years old, created a random Twitter account. Basically, I had no idea what I was doing, but wanted to build connections in baseball. So I created a LinkedIn account and started following and or adding different people on LinkedIn just to try to connect and, and just introduce myself. And one of the first people I introduced myself to was, was Jim Fergusi Jr. Um, and I told him, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm 18 at the time. Uh, I want to be working in baseball. I just wanted to introduce myself and, and hopefully we can stay in contact. And he ended up responding within minutes and he could not have been nicer. And we ended up exchanging more messages. We exchanged cell numbers. Um, and he ended up, like whenever I had a question about baseball or if I needed help, on like how reporters should operate. Um, He was there for me and he ended up helping me and and guiding me. And it was like, without him, I'm not in this position today. And seeing the news that he ended up passing away was stunning. Uh, Like I actually, it was was floored. And that was the first time I've ever encountered somebody I've known in baseball passing away. Um, So that was tough, but um, I can safely say that I would not be in the position I am today without Jim. So I just wanted to give him a public shout out and say thank you.
2: And you're gonna pay it forward someday, Robert Murray.
1: Always. That's the one. That's something I learned from Jim, Jeff Passen, Rosenthal, and Heyman. Is is pay it forward because yeah, you always want to keep the line moving and everything for sure. So I always do that.
2: Yeah, and I always try to remind myself and or other people. It it's not only just like you're being a good person, but it, it's also good business. I mean, he, mm-hmm. Jim, you you never know where this rando Robert Murray on LinkedIn who's t- Who's asking for something's going to end up? You know, maybe I don't know if you're able to ever able to help uh, Jim back. Well, uh, if that ever happened, but you know, look at you now, buddy, dominating yeah. the baseball insiders, having wine ribbon Carinanti on him on a, on a on a beautiful Monday.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Carmi. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's uh, could not have drawn it up like this. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll definitely pay it forward, and he, like, I try to help him out. But like, he was in the industry about twice as long as I was. <laughs> I've been alive, so. Um, he had a leg up on me for sure, but yeah, like I'll try to pay it forward in Jim's honor for sure.
2: So I'm just thinking, well, for me, like the main guy with that was who I think we're going to have on, I'm going to try to get him on, on Thursday is David Kaplan. Who's done a ton for me in my career. Who's screaming about you on, on his radio show. So we're going to yell back at cap on Thursday, but he, he's done a ton for me, but I'll just tell one Quick uh, Doug Glanville story, uh, who I'm hoping to have on the pod at some point as well. Glanville was with the Cubs in '97. I'm just starting out, and I I just I loved Glanville. I thought he was you know this this is the Cubs center fielder of the future. And I have my first ever credential, and I'm I'm in the clubhouse. It's 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 April. It's like 40 degrees. And I'm like, maybe I'll ask Glanville for an interview. So he, he walks right by me. I'm like, hey, Doug. And you know, I'm 25 years old. A lot of 25 year olds would have a lot more confidence than I had at the time. But I was very sheepish about it. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, can can I can I talk to you? And you want to do it right here, uh, right here, right now, like this very moment? You know, I, I it freaked me out. I'm like, and so it was the worst interview ever. But this guy, he was so nice and uh, and just would have if I w- had the ability to have the deep conversation that you could have with Doug Glanville at any point, he would have sat there for 20 minutes. Uh, and, and here's a guy who's giving back to baseball and, and trying to uh, make an impact for, you know, since his plan is, of course they traded him for Mickey Morandini, which Cub fans loved because they made the wild card in 98 and then got swept by the Phillies, the ultimate Cub fan trade. Let's trade Doug Glanville for one shot at the wild card. where we have no chance. Never mind, I don't want to go down that thing. But there's just they're, <laughs> the good people in your life, you remember them, man. So I, I, I appreciated that you wanted to talk about that today.
1: No, for sure, and like I'm glad you ended up mentioning that Glanville story because you told me that same wa- or that same story on the phone the other week. And I, like, I've been there before. Like it's intimidating being a young guy just getting started off and like interviewing like these big names and these like these larger than life human
2: beings. And oh, yeah, yeah like, it's scary. I mean, the Cubs had a tiny locker, uh, high school locker room style club. So it's like, well, then Mark Grace can hear me right over here. Is he going to be judging me? Like, who is this guy? I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. you got to have a good sense of self in those moments that you're totally fine to do it. All right. We're wrapping up the pod subscribers, ratings, check us out uh, YouTube, wherever uh, we appreciate it. Google play is where, by the way, I was listening to uh, some Yanks go yard today, getting myself ready for these guys. So they're all over the map, baby. So thanks to uh, Thomas and Adam again. And thank you uh, for listening. We're back on Thursday and I think we're, I'm going to hope we have Kaplan honor to yell at you, Robert, and you're going to yell at him back strong. Take him down.
1: Oh boy, I'm, I'm terrible at yelling at people. It's, so this we're gonna have to work on this the next couple of days. we warm up the vocal cords.
2: Carl. We'll, we'll go behind the scenes and I'll get you ready for them. So that I, you you got it in you. I, I believe in you. Thanks for I listening. So check back in on Thursday. The baseball insider saying, "Have a great day."
3: Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app.